we often see what other people are achieving and wonder they must be happy if they're doing that. But it's hard to understand what makes us all happy. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast, where host Barry O'Reilly seeks to synthesize the superpowers of extraordinary individuals to think big, start small, and learn fast. Here's your host, Barry O'Reilly. Welcome to the Unlearn Podcast. On this show, I'm delighted to share, well, it's our last show of the year. And with tradition, what I tend to do is sort of do a look back and wrap up of the year. Reflecting on some of my own personal challenges, areas I've had to focus on, unlearn, relearn, and hopefully get some breakthroughs, but also take some questions and share some stories from different people all over the world who's reached out to us over the course of the year. And so that's what we'll be doing on this show. I'll be sharing unlearning stories from five different people around the world, and then a little bit of a recap from myself. So first of all, 2022 has been quite a fabulous year. And the most important part, really, where I've spent most of my focus is actually with Nobody Studios, our venture studio, where we're trying to create 100 compelling companies over the next five years. And I'm delighted to say that this year is going to end with quite a bang. A lot of our team actually were at Art Basel in Miami this week, celebrating the launch of four new companies in the market, Thoughtforma, Ovations, Webdelix, and Parentipity. And we've eight more companies in incubation that are about to pop out. So 12 in total, looking really good. The main big news I want to share is that we also have our crowdfunding about to be launched. So nobody's going to be the first ever venture studio to offer equity crowdfunding to the world. That means anyone who's a retail investor will be able to own and become a nobody, own a piece of our company. So that means every time we build a company, by default, you'll own a piece of each company we create forever. So we're very excited about that. Crowdfunding is just about to launch at the end of the year. So keep your eyes out, keep listening on the show, follow my newsletter and make sure hopefully you join us on that journey. We also had a really nice sort of recognition, if you will, one that we didn't even realize was that we were recognized as one of the top 10 venture studios of 2022, which was quite humbling for us, to be honest, considering we're only a little over two years old. We were the youngest on the list by a long way. And most companies have 10 plus years establishment. So a really special accolade for us. Now, I think we have to prove that we've earned it and continue to keep earning it and building it over time. So, yeah, great year at Nobody Studios. Lots of fun things happening. Again, we're looking for talent, influence, capital. Do follow us. Go to nobodystudios.com or follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. And hopefully you'll be part of this amazing crowdfunding opportunity that we're going to launch literally within a couple of weeks. The podcast overall, again, it continues to go from strength to strength. We've now 150,000 downloads, which is absolutely astounding when I think about that figure. We continue to see each show have over 5,000 downloads per month, putting us in the top 5% of podcasts listened to worldwide. So again, I can really only say thank you, everybody, for listening to this show. And myself and Sham have a lot of fun putting it together, you giving us feedback, asking us more of what you'd like to hear more of, less of, people you'd like to have us on the show. Please continue to volunteer that information to us because it's super powerful. And personally, I guess myself, you know, moving to Asia, spending much more time over there. It's been a lot of fun for me and my family getting set up and actually working closer to Shams down in Cebu, who basically makes most of this show happen. So huge thank you again to Sham for her ongoing collaboration and, and working on so much fun together. 
And what's really ahead for next year? Well, really, it's about getting Nobody Studios crowdfunding into full swing. One thing I'm going to be doing is an open leadership program with LearnCrunch in February. This is a really fun experiment. For many people, I started a company called ExecCamp many years ago where I would take executives out of their business for a number of weeks to try and launch and build new products and services. As a phenomenal project, we've helped companies like British Airways, Iberian, American Airlines, Wells Fargo, Spotify, Slack, lots of these amazing companies to sort of do high-performance leadership with their future executives. And now we're going to do an experiment this year and collaborate with actually someone who was originally a Spotify employee and did the program with me when I do it at Spotify and set up his own business called LearnCrunch. So keep an eye out for that as well. The newsletter is going to be pretty fun. And then also Stephen Dowling, one of our master online trainers, is now going to start to deliver the online training remotely. So you'll be able to work with him over one day, one week, one month, many weeks, if you wish, on one of the online programs. So keep an eye out for that. All right. With that in mind, and I just thought I would take literally a couple of these fantastic notes that people sent to us over the last couple of weeks. And we sort of reached out and asked people to share what have been some of their main unlearning stories, if you will, over the year. And we just thought we would share a couple of them with you and maybe reflect on them for ourselves and think about for you what maybe was one of the things you had to unlearn this year. And the first one comes from Fred in Barcelona. My biggest unlearning this year was my fear of failure. I've always have been afraid to take risks, and I always felt like every occasion or decision I made had to be perfect. But then I realized that being afraid of failure doesn't help anyone, not even me. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to fail sometimes. That's how we learn. And when we don't try, because we're scared, we don't get anywhere either. Well, first of all, power to you, Fred. I think this is probably one of the biggest moments I've also experienced as well. The fear of failure is a huge thing. And, you know, I think I feel it all the time myself, personally, even with Nobody Studios as well. You know, when I was spending a majority of my time doing advising for startups or consulting to large scale enterprises, you know, I figured out that business. I'd spent over 10 years doing it. It was fun. I enjoyed it. But really sort of taking myself outside my comfort zone to start this venture studio from scratch with a couple of people that I'd just met was really scary, you know, and fear. Lots of fear. What if it goes wrong? What would people think about me? And nobody would want to work with me again. My brand would be tarnished. All these things I, I tell myself and do tell myself quite on a frequent basis. So I think it's important to recognize that that is what happens, but also to not let such anxiety freeze you. you know, the only way to remedy anxiety is actually to take action. And I think this is why this notion of thinking big and starting small has been really so powerful for me as a method, not only to explore new ideas, but to get outside my comfort zone and learn. And every small step provides new information, uh, it's action, and each small action compounds to build momentum. And that's how you can start to tackle these things. So yeah, great to hear that, Fred. Next, we had Jane in New York. So people of all ages, backgrounds and experiences, including my own, having some profound things to contribute to the world and deserve to be heard. My biggest relearning this year was actually my confidence which means unlearning the societal standard that dictates that young people don't have anything important or valuable to contribute to the world because they're just young or kids or don't have enough experience. They haven't been long enough to understand what it means to be an adult. My lesson is not to be afraid, to step forward and give things a try. Well, right on, Jane. Again, love hearing these stories, of especially those coming up and um, getting out there and putting themselves out there. 
I think it's actually one of the most interesting times in what I would call sort of democratization of information and leadership. People always ask me, like, where do you look for examples of future leadership? And for me, one of the most sort of fun examples of it is this idea of multiplayer remote games where you have people who might play World of Warcraft or these various different types of highly strategic but highly collaborative games. You can only win when people have to work together who've never met each other. And invariably, some of the best players I always find of these games are actually younger demographics than typically older demographics. Not because of the technology, but their style of leadership is so naturally collaborative. And it's been fascinating to me to sort of experiment and see about what creates leadership in an environment where your sort of age, your gender, your race is sort of obfuscated, if you will. You're just looking at people's behavior and following them based on their behavior and the credibility they build from the behavior and action that they take and the results that they achieve. So I think that's always something that always reminds me to stay fresh, to not judge people based on one single sort of item, whether it's their age, their gender, whatever it might be, and encourage them actually to listen to them more. And I often cite one of the podcasts we did with Joe Narenia, who's the head of global markets for HSBC. And he used to tell a story about every year what he would do as one of the most senior people in HSBC. He would invite the graduates into his office to work on problems that he was working on, specifically to see how they would solve those similar problems in new, different, unique ways. And it created this great cultural artifact in the company, if you will, because he had one of the most senior people learning from the most junior people. And he also got a lot out of it by learning new technologies and tools. So, yeah, check out that show with Joe Nerenia. It's one of my favorites. Sonia in Rio de Janeiro. One of the habits I've been unlearning is dismissing my voice or softening my authority. I used to think that speaking up was being too pushy, that if I wanted something and spoke up about it, people would think I was being overbearing or even just rude. Instead of asking for what I wanted, I would often soften my voice and make myself seem smaller than I really was. I've seen some of the most incredible women in history speak up with such power and strength and clarity. It makes me sad to think that I've conditioned myself to believe that speaking up is wrong. It's time to put an end to that habit. It's time for people around the world to stand up for themselves and their voices. We've so much to offer the world, we need to stop hiding behind our shyness and passivity. Fascinating. Great one, Sonia. Yeah, this one's really interesting to me too as well, to hear people's thoughts about the right ways to speak up and how to do it. Or even, I think, this notion of finding your voice. And, you know, there's two really good shows that spring to mind that we did. First of all, is one we did with Diana Stechner. And Diana is obviously an exceptional product leader. She's worked at Pearson's for over 10 years. She's had many different product teams all over the world. She's actually currently just about to start a product leadership course on Maven. You should go check out as well. But Diana would say herself that she's not the loudest person in the room, but she has grown into this great leadership style of just being herself and helping speak up when it matters rather than have to speak up to make noise. And it's one of the most interesting podcasts we did actually for her, even to describe how she started to find her voice from not trying to be something she wasn't, but to be herself and to be clear and to share what she thinks, but also invite others to the conversation. Really fascinating. From my own sort of experiences, I still remember when I was working in ThoughtWorks, one of the 
first sort of times I got to go and do a leadership development program, we were also getting coaching on how to speak up or how even to speak in a way. And it was kind of funny. You know, I always had this notion. I didn't like public speaking or I always had this notion of how I sort of had to present myself to be heard. And we were doing all these exercises and there was a bunch of my other colleagues there. And one of them was Sam Newman, who some people might know, he wrote the book all around microservices. And he was sort of sitting in the crowd, listening to me sort of try to present who I thought I needed to sound like up on stage. And when I came off the stage, I remember him stopping me and going, yeah, Barry, who's that guy up there? And I was like, sorry, what? He goes, who's that person up there? I don't like that person. And I'm like, what do you mean, me? He goes, yeah. That's not you. You sound like someone trying to be somebody else. I like you. Why don't you just be you up there? And it was one of the best bits of feedback I ever got because it just gave me the confidence in a way to one of the other questions we actually had today is like to just speak up by just being myself. And it was a really powerful breakthrough for me, too. So, yes, Anya, really great to hear that's happening. Now we've got one from Stephen, um, our sort of master trainer in Melbourne. So there are many... I'd love to mention, but one very impersonal one for me is the belief that my daughter, Massey, was exceptionally lazy. It used to drive me nuts by the fact that she would not clean up after herself. Empty plates left out constantly, no caps on bottles, and of course, I'd get cross and give out to her. I could never understand why she'd get upset. Then I decided to challenge that belief. Was it something that I needed to unlearn? If she's not lazy, but there was something else going on here and myself and my wife couldn't investigate. My daughter was actually diagnosed with a form of ADHD, which explains a lot what's happening. And my mindset and behavior changed completely here when I believed that I could have a big positive impact. Now I don't get wrong that she's lazy, figuring out ways that I can work with her to help her. Yeah, that's a really interesting insight, Stephen. It's always tough. Often a perception we have of people is when they're not performing the behavior we want, there must be something wrong with them. Not even the way we deliver the message, but just their inaction in the way we want them to respond. You know, I think any parent would sort of raise this idea of kids not tidying up after themselves. It's frustrating. You know, I'm one of six kids. I think my mother, bless her, you know, I don't know how she held it together with all of us tearing our house apart, but growing up over the years. But it was one of these things, I guess, that finding the right behavior that works for people or understanding their context to help them drive behavior. And that was always what was interesting to me, you know, when I would work with teams and I would ask them, get your reports in by Friday in this format and this time or asking them to do things and them never really been done in the way that I wanted. And one of the things I suppose was a big aha for me and still is a big aha is actually just the co-designing with people together. So what I know, what I want, I can actually sit down and explain with clarity. This is the direction about why we're doing this and what matters and figure out ways about how we could do it together. So then they're bought into that process. And then we figure out different ways we can do it. It's been really interesting. And then the last one, I think, is a nice one to share, actually, that I always enjoy. Veronica in Singapore. I've always been the kind of person who thinks I'll be happy when I have that job or I'll be happy once this person does something. And I've realized that I've just been setting myself up for disappointment. It may sound cliche, but we are responsible for our own happiness. And you make that a priority and you take the steps before what you want to achieve and how you want to achieve it. Well, I couldn't agree more with this one, actually, Veronica. I think it's one of these tough things where we often see what other people are achieving 
and wonder. They must be happy if they're doing that. But it's hard to understand what makes us all happy. For me, I think I had that similar type of breakthrough as well about understanding or thinking about the things that make me happy and how do I make more time for them in my sort of available capacity. One of the uh, sort of stories that I often use about talking about how we first came up with unlearning statements was this recognition that I was very stressed. Um, I think I was starting the consultancy business at the time and there was a lot of things going on. There's moving country and I just felt stressed all the time. But I didn't know how to change it up. But one of the big ahas was I did the exercise, actually, for writing a sort of headline or, uh, if you will, a press release of what would be an example if I wasn't stressed or how would I be happy? And I found myself as I started to write that press release, talking a lot more about spending more time doing exercise, working on more personal projects, spending more time on personal development. And rather than just working on typical business work all the time. And it gave me to the point where I actually wrote my unlearning statement that would say, I will unlearn stress when I think I even said 25% of my time was based on personal development. And 10% of my time had was exercise. It was really, really interesting. And then 80% of the time I'd go home and finish every week feeling accomplished. That idea of feeling accomplished is the thing that actually made me identifying what a waste I found social media to be as a time sink and ultimately deleting all social media from my phone, which gave me a huge amount of time back. What I used to do is my phone would beep and I'd get a message and I'd look at it and then I'd go onto Facebook and scroll for 10 minutes or go onto Instagram and scroll for 10 minutes. And I was spending all this time on sort of irrelevant, low return, I would say, activities. Similarly, when I started to think about exercise, I would always try to think, well, maybe, you know, I'll exercise today and it didn't work for me. So what I ended up doing was really committing to it and making an investment in actual exercise for me to the point that I booked a trainer where they would come around to my house, just like I have meetings and I'd book it for 90 minutes, three times a week. And that's been huge to get me to forcing function, if you will, to do exercise because there's someone there to hold me accountable to it. And I've sort of made the decision. It's non-negotiable and I've invested in it. I mean, that's been really another great breakthrough for me in terms of starting to build up my happiness, because overall, I'm doing things that makes me happy. I'm still working on the personal development one. I always have a goal, try and read more or actually to sort of have a notion that I try to reinvest a certain percentage of the revenue that I make in any year, whether that's through wages or whatever, to reinvest it back into myself in forms like coaching, which I always highly recommend everyone to have a coach, especially People who are very busy and are struggling and feel like they have no time, that's the perfect time to get a coach. <laughs> You're not doing something right. And it's been again, a great way for me to design actions and behaviors that I need to do to help me become more happy. So lovely to hear that too as well, Veronica. Cool. So there was a couple of little stories, just five stories of people who shared with them this year. And um, again, it's been a fabulous year. A huge thank you to Sham, our business manager who not only runs and produces all this amazing podcast, but also basically runs our entire business. It's always fun working together, Sham. Thank you for all your help. I'm really excited about 2023. Obviously, with Nobody Studios, bringing more companies to market. If you're interested in helping building with us, by all means, please reach out. We need lots of talent. If you've already seen what we're doing, please share your influence. Tell somebody you know about Nobody Studios and what we're doing, because ultimately we're about to do probably another 
big step on our journey and invite not only private investors through angel funding, which we've been very successful with today, but now we're going to go to the public and let any retail investor, anyone on the street, whether you're a nurse, work in a restaurant, doctor, lawyer, you name it, you can come and own a piece of Nobody Studios with us and be a part for the ride. So I hope you might and will, and it should be fun. Stay tuned for what's ahead in 2023. I think it's going to be a great year, folks. And as ever, if you have any questions, people you think we should have on the show, people you'd like to hear from, by all means, drop me a line and I'll see you very, very soon. Take care.